Hi, this is Inez, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. This is Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. I am so excited to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join me. It is Sunday, March 6th. I'm just so excited to get into the Word today with you. But as always, we're going to start with a word of prayer. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. We are so excited that you've come today to either listen to the podcast or watch the video. As always, though, we start with a word of prayer. So here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to hear from your word again today. Lord, teach us well. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. A drunk stumbled along a baptismal service on a Sunday afternoon down by the river. He proceeded to walk down to the water and stood right next to the preacher. The minister turned and noticed the old drunk and said, Mister, are you ready to find Jesus? The drunk looks back and says, Yes, preacher, I sure am. The minister then dunked the fellow under the water and pulled him right back up. Have you found Jesus? The preacher asked. No, I didn't, said the drunk. The preacher then dunks him under the water for quite a bit longer, brings him up and says, Now, brother, have you found Jesus? No, I did not, preacher. The preacher, in disgust, holds the man under for at least 30 seconds this time and then brings him up out of the water and says in a harsh tone, Friend, are you sure you haven't found Jesus yet? The old drunk wipes his eyes and says to the preacher, are you sure this is where he fell in? Welcome to part six of our sermon series entitled, What We Believe, and our sixth core value, baptism. Here's how this core value reads here at Word of Hope. The Bible teaches that baptism is the immersion in water of a penitent believer. In the New Testament church, every believer was commanded to be baptized, Acts 2.38, Matthew 28.19. Baptism symbolizes the cleansing and forgiveness of sins, Again, Acts 2.38 and 22.16. The new birth, John 3.5. The circumcision of the heart, Colossians 2.11 and 12. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Romans 6, 3-5. And salvation, 1 Peter 3.21. Now back to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ portion of our statement, Romans 6, 3-5. We have an asterisk there, and the asterisk reads this way. Immersion in water is the only physical act that pictures this so beautifully and accurately, again, referring to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Baptism is not an option for the true believer. It is an acid test of our true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and John 14, 15. Now, during our time today, we're going to address every aspect of our core value statement and all of the supporting scriptures. Wherever you find yourself today in regards to this subject, I hope you'll have your Bibles open. I also hope that your minds and your hearts will be open as we take a fresh look at baptism. Baptism is mentioned more than 120 times in the Bible. The noun baptism and verb baptize are English versions of the Greek words that mean to dip, plunge, or immerse. The simple act of a new believer being immersed into Christ is a divine drama that illustrates beautifully the washing away of sins by the blood of Jesus and the rising to walk in new life by faith in the resurrected Christ. What a marvelous explanation. Now let's take a brief look at baptism and Jesus. Baptism was the first public act of Jesus' ministry. 
He walked about 70 miles to be immersed in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptist, Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. After his baptism, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove, and God's voice was heard saying in Matthew 3:17, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Today, God is pleased with all who follow the example of Jesus in baptism, because Jesus said in Matthew 3:15, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Baptism was part of the last command given by Jesus on earth. In Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, it reads, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is the only command in the Bible given in the name of the Godhead or the Trinity, in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So with that said, let's examine baptism in the New Testament. There are nine accounts of conversion in the book of Acts. Each of them culminates in Christian baptism. Believers repented of their sins, confessed Christ, and were baptized. They didn't refuse baptism, nor did they belittle baptism. They didn't bide their time either. From the day of Pentecost onward, Baptism was always an immediate faith response to the gospel of grace. In his book, Baptism Today and Tomorrow, G.R. Beasley Murray finds five attendant blessings to baptism in the New Testament. Number one, the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. Next, union with Christ, Galatians 3.26, Colossians 2.12, Romans 6, 1-11. Then possession of the Holy Spirit, again, Acts 2.38, Titus 3.5. Membership in the church, 1 Corinthians 12.13. And lastly, inheritance of the kingdom of God, John 3, verse 5. Beasley Murray concludes, In the light of these statements, I am compelled to conclude that the understanding of baptism as a beautiful and expressive symbol, and nothing more, is irreconcilable with the New Testament. Amen to that. The Apostle Paul wrote often about baptism in his epistles. Baptism is the threshold of entrance into Christ, his atoning death, and his glorious church. In Galatians 3.27, Paul states that we are united with Christ in baptism. In Romans 6.3, Paul says, When we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. And in 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul says, we have all been baptized into one body. And the footnotes of several Bible translations indicate that the Great Commission may also read, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So then baptism brings a convert into a new relationship where God becomes his heavenly Father, God's Son becomes his personal Savior, and God's Spirit becomes his indwelling strength. Amen. Now let's talk about baptism and the cross. Former executive editor of Christianity Today, Timothy George, once answered a question from a reader in his column, Good Question. The question was, what is the role of baptism in faith and salvation? It's a great question, right? Well, George responded in part, baptism must take place in the context of faith, 
and it must connect to the central events of the gospel, Jesus' cross and resurrection. That's precisely the point the Apostle Paul makes in Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Let me read that for you. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism certainly connects to the central events of the gospel. We're baptized into Christ. We are baptized into his death. We are buried with Christ through baptism into death. We are raised just as Christ was raised from the dead. It's all there in baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection. The passage in Romans is more clearly understood when placed alongside what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when he defined the gospel. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Folks, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as it's portrayed in scripture. The response to the gospel is our death, burial, and resurrection as it is portrayed in Christian baptism. Baptism is more than a commemoration of what has already happened. It's a dynamic action, an actual participation, a life-changing event. We're buried with Christ. We're baptized into his death. There we die with Christ. We are raised with Christ just as he was raised. The saving power of this act is linked to the resurrection of Christ, 1 Peter 3.21. All this is indeed an act of faith that God is graciously doing something special at this time. Colossians 2.12 reads, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Martin Luther said, quote, Your baptism is nothing less than grace clutching you by the throat, a grace full throttling by which your sin is submerged in order that ye may remain under grace. Come thus to thy baptism. Give thyself up to be drowned in baptism and killed by the mercy of thy dear God, saying, Drown me and throttle me, dear Lord, for henceforth I will gladly die to sin with thy son. End quote. The death to sin, the burial of a dead sinner, and the resurrection of a new person all occur in baptism. Baptism has been likened to a tomb. Alger Fitch says, Baptism is a tomb in that the person buried in the tomb of water is to have died to self. Ears, eyes, lips are under the wave. Sex organs, hands, feet, and mind are now ready to rise into a life over which Jesus is to have control. The total surrender of a person to the total will of God is what baptism confesses, Fitch said. Baptism can also be likened to a womb where one is born again of the water and the spirit, John 3, 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So, so far we've discussed baptism in the New Testament, baptism and the cross, Next, let's look at baptism and new life. 
Our baptism into the death of Christ results in a new life, free from the control of sin. Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade, was baptized August 8, 1995. That same day was her last day of employment at a Dallas abortion clinic. She testified, quote, I'll serve the Lord and help women save their babies for the rest of my life, end quote. Former NFL great and TV broadcaster Pat Summerall, who nearly ruined his life with alcohol, was baptized in 1999 at the age of 69. He said, I went down into the water and when I came up, it was like a 40 pound weight had been lifted from me. I have a happier life, a healthy life, and a more positive feeling about life than ever before. In January of 2002, I went to visit my mom. She was 81 years old and her health wasn't that great, but she could still get around and drive herself here and there. She was very active in running a senior bowling league there in Seneca, South Carolina. For more than 25 years, I'd been witnessing to my mom, hoping that she would one day make a decision to receive Christ as her savior. It was a Sunday morning and she was sitting up in her bed watching a televised church service from First Baptist Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina, a wonderful ministry there. She asked me if I wanted to watch with her and I said, sure. After the service, she turned off the TV and asked me to tell her more about this baptism thing. Those were her words, this baptism thing. I could not believe my ears and I was so excited. I said, I'll be right back. And I ran across the hall, nearly falling as I was going to my room to get my Bible. And I was hurrying back and I almost tripped coming back into the room. I opened up my Bible to Romans 6 and Acts 2.38. I was ready to have a discussion with her, but it didn't happen that way. She just asked this, if I do this thing, this baptism, do I have to do it in front of a lot of people? Because I really don't want to do that. She didn't have a church home at the time, by the way, but she didn't want to do it in front of a lot of people. I looked at her and I said, Mom, you see your bathtub right over there? I was pointing from her bed into the bathroom and you could see the tub from her bedside. I said, we could do it right there, right now. We just have to fill it up with water and you sit there and I'll lay you back so that you're under the water completely for just a moment. And then you sit back up. She was quiet for a few moments. And then she said, okay. I was beside myself with joy. I couldn't believe this was happening. I'd been hoping for this for so long. And I still hadn't even read a scripture to her yet. Isn't that crazy? She just knew in her heart she wanted to do that. So while she was changing, I filled up the tub with water. A few minutes later, it was ready and she came into the bathroom. She got into the tub and just sat there with her arms around her knees. I asked her if she understood what baptism meant. And she shared with me in short form, the same as I'm sharing with you today. It was spot on, just amazing. I couldn't believe it. We hadn't even had a discussion, but she already knew. So I said to her through tears of joy, mom, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. And then I laid her back. She was only 79 pounds at the time, folks. So she was really tiny. I laid her back in that water and she went under completely from head to toe for just a moment and I brought her back up. She wiped the water from her eyes and put her arms around her knees again, looked around side to side for a moment and said in this really exciting voice, I feel great. And she went on to say that she felt like a burden had just been lifted from her in that moment. And you know, the next day 
She went up to the bowling alley where she was running that league. It was a Monday. And she got on the microphone. And with 36 lanes full of teams of bowlers, she said, I feel great. And I just got baptized. And I know Jesus. And the entire bowling alley went crazy. It was unbelievable. And for the next six months, she lived with a joy and happiness I hadn't seen since before my dad died some three years earlier. She had a new life in Christ, and it showed in how she thought, how she talked, and how she walked. Before I close this sermon out, there's one more area regarding baptism I want to talk with you about. And that is specific questions that are often raised about baptism. For instance, which is more appropriate, to baptize babies or to baptize people who are old enough to make a personal decision? That's a good question. It seems clear in the New Testament that baptism is a willing pledge made by those who are old enough to recognize their sin, mature enough to comprehend the significance of the death of Christ, and independent enough to commit themselves to him. It's important to note that there is not a clear reference to a baby being baptized in the entire Bible. Almost every time baptism is mentioned, it is preceded by some command for belief. A good example is Acts 2.38. You might know the scripture well. What's happening in the verses leading up to that is the apostle Peter is preaching and people were touched and cut to their heart with the conviction of their sin. And they asked the disciples in the 37, the verse before, what do we have to do to be saved? And so Acts 2.38 says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this decision requires a significant level of maturity. Another question is, what if I was baptized or sprinkled as an infant? What should I do? First, you should be grateful that you had parents who cared enough about you to set you apart for God. Because of their devotion, you have an opportunity to complete their prayer by willingly submitting to adult baptism. Adult baptism is not a sign of disrespect for what your parents did. In fact, it can be seen as a fulfillment of their prayers. Be thankful for the heritage of concerned parents, but don't be negligent of your responsibility as an adult to make your personal pledge toward God in baptism. I was baptized, sprinkled, if you will, as an infant. And then upon accepting Christ as my savior, I was baptized as an adult immersed under the water. And I was very thankful for my folks because I grew up in a church for 21 years learning about God. I never heard about salvation in the sense that we're talking about it in last week's sermon, baptism today. None of that was ever really discussed. But I thank them for giving me that foundation to lead me up to this point where I could make my own decision. So if God has led you to this point, I pray that you'll take this important step as soon as possible. Another question is, does it matter where I was baptized? Short answer is no. If you were baptized in a Baptist church or a Pentecostal camp or in the lake at a family reunion, it doesn't matter. What's important is that you knew that you were a sinner and Jesus was your savior. Another question is, does baptism itself have the power to save people? The answer to that is a resounding no. As we've discussed earlier, scripture is abundantly clear that only Jesus saves. 
The work of salvation is a finished work by Christ on the cross. Baptism has no redemptive powers of its own. There's nothing special about the water, nothing holy about the river or pond or baptistry. Tragically, some people believe that they're going to heaven when they die just because a few drops of water were sprinkled on their heads a few weeks after their birth. They have no personal faith, have never made a personal decision, and are counting on a hollow ceremony to save them. That's just crazy, but I get it. If baptism were redemptive work, why did Jesus die on the cross? If we could be saved by being sprinkled or dunked, do you think Jesus would have died for our sins? If your faith is in the sacrament and not the Savior, you are trusting in a powerless ritual. Amen to that. This leads to another question. What if a person is not baptized? Can he or she be saved? The question is best answered with a question. Why isn't the person baptized? I think there are three possible reasons. First of all, the person might say, well, I've never understood baptism. Perhaps you were never instructed to be baptized. I know I wasn't. Maybe you've never been challenged to consider the issue. That's entirely possible. If this is the case, I urge you to give thought to what God says about baptism. This doesn't void your faith up to this point. Part of maturity is an openness to understand new areas of the Christian walk. I didn't know for five years that I needed to be baptized. That's crazy, right? But I had made my decision for Christ five years earlier, but it didn't void those five years when I did make that decision to be baptized. That's the point. But another reason why someone might not be baptized is they say, well, I just don't want to. Well, let's analyze this response for a moment. God humbles himself by leaving heaven and being bored in a feeding trough. The God of the universe eats human food, feels human feelings, and dies a sinner's death. He's spat on, beaten, stripped naked, and nailed to the cross. He takes our eternal condemnation on himself in our place. Then he offers salvation as a free gift and asks that we say yes to him in baptism, and someone responds, I don't want to. Frankly, that just doesn't add up. That kind of resistance doesn't reveal a problem with baptism. It actually spells trouble of the soul, and I think it reveals a problem of the heart. That person needs to take a long, hard look at their soul. This kind of situation even puzzled Jesus. He said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? The highest motive for doing anything is because God asks you to do it. The heart of the saved says, if you want me to be baptized in a pile of leaves, I'll do it. I may not understand every reason, but neither do I understand how you could save a sinner like me. If someone resists this command, one might wonder if there's been a true conversion experience at all. And lastly, what if a person dies before they have a chance to be baptized? The answer to this question is found in the character of God. Would a God of love reject an honest heart? No way. Would a God of mercy and kindness condemn any soul that was seeking? Absolutely not. Having called you and died for you, would he cast you away because of a curious sequence of events? Inconceivable. Is it possible for an unbaptized believer to be saved? Yes, definitely. Should every believer be baptized? Yes, definitely. So folks, here's the bottom line on our talk today about baptism. I can't say it any better than what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. 
and I'm reading from the Message Bible. This is what it says. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. I hope this message today has been an encouragement to you. I hope that it has opened some avenues of thought for you. Maybe you already know this. Maybe you didn't know like me that you need to be baptized. As a believer, you should. I hope that you will. And most importantly, if you're hearing this today and you've never heard about the message of Christ, he loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross and died for you so that you could be set free today. Why not turn your life over to Christ? Why not be baptized into Christ as in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior? You'll be glad you did. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.